So if you would uh, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, you can also find the text for this morning printed for you in the bulletin, Mark chapter 12. I want to paint uh, three pictures for you before we look at our text. Uh, the first one is this. Two Sunday nights ago, uh, a group of us went to see the movie Silence. Uh, and if Michael Wilcox ever invites you to a 9-10 movie, it starts at 10. And if he says it lasts two hours, it'll last three hours. Well, that's just uh, for your information. But, but we went to see the, the, the movie Silence. And one of the most haunting scenes... Uh, from the movie Silence is where three uh, Japanese believers are lashed to crosses and they're in the, the surf along the rocky coast of Japan and they basically die by drowning as the surf slowly, gradually comes in. Why were they there? Well, they were there because they had refused to spit on a picture of Jesus. Why did they refuse to spit on a picture of Jesus? It was because of the story that they were living their lives by. Second, very different picture. Uh, earlier this week, I was reading an, an article about the dating app Tinder. Uh, and, and evidently, this was not for me, but evidently on the, the dating app Tinder, you see who's around you who's also using this app. And you can rate them up or you can rate them down. You can, you can delete them or you can decide if you want to meet up. Uh, this is, I just want you to listen to the description of this scene in a Manhattan bar. It's a balmy night in Manhattan's financial district, and at a sports bar called Stout, everyone is tendering. The tables are filled with young women and men who've been chasing money and deals on Wall Street all day, and now they're out looking for hookups. Everyone is drinking, peering into their screens and swiping on the faces of strangers they may have sex with later that evening, or not. Ew, this guy has dad bod, a young woman says of a potential match, swiping left. Her friends smirk, not looking up. Tinder sucks, they say, but they don't stop swiping. At a booth in the back, guys are gathered, and one of them says, Guys view everything as a competition. Who slept with the best, hottest girls? With these dating apps, he says, you're always sort of prowling. You could talk to two or three girls at a bar and pick the best one, or you can swipe a couple hundred people a day. The sample size is so much larger. It's setting up two or three Tinder dates a week, and chances are sleeping with all of them. So you could rack up 100, 100 girls you've slept with in a year. Why is this the lifestyle they've chosen to live? It's because of the story that they're living their lives by. Now, a third picture. And it's a picture we're going to see in the text this morning. We're going to meet a group of religious leaders who are known as Sadducees. The Sadducees were aristocratic, they were wealthy, and they were well-educated. But even though they were religious, there was no real transforming power in their lives. There was no real knowledge of God. Why? Because of the story that they were living their lives by. And so as we read this and think about the story this morning, I want you to ask yourself... What story am I living my life by? So Mark chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 18, this is God's word. And Sadducees came to him, came to Jesus, who, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us 
that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to them saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, this is an uh, interesting text, to say the least, that we have before us this morning. And, and there are a lot of questions we bring to it, a lot of questions that it raises. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would help me to faithfully proclaim uh, the message of your word and that you would give us ears uh, to hear and hearts to embrace uh, the truth of your word. And we pray it uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd argue that of the three pictures I painted, the three groups of people, that two of those groups of people are actually living by the same story. Both the religious Sadducees and the partiers in Manhattan are living by a very similar story. They're both living their their lives by a story that has no resurrection. That has no resurrection. Uh, the, the, the partiers are living this life that they eventually will decide, they will eventually see is, is empty and meaningless. The, the Sadducees, on the other hand, they, they don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in angels. They don't uh, believe in the supernatural. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible as being from God. They had a very formal religion. Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Uh, they go to black tie fundraisers. They're very, very philanthropic. But there was no real juice in their religion. No real joy. No real knowledge of God. And so they engage in this religious formalism. The type of religious formalism that often you see people crash and burn. Uh, these are the big scandals in our, in our churches where you see a great religious leader crash and burn. They go from being formally religious to being the partier and trying out the partying lifestyle. So the religious crash and burn, they go to partying, the partying crash and burn, and they turn to despair. This is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But the Japanese Christians that we talked about were living their lives by a very different story. They were living out the words of martyred missionary Jim Elliott who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They were living by the story of resurrection. And the story of resurrection is not just vital for for persecuted Christians. It's vital for spouses who are living with another spouse who they're having a hard time loving because they don't feel very loved by them. It's vital for parents with little ones who are starting to figure out, oh my goodness, I really do have to give up my life to be a parent. It's vital for those of us who have figured out that this world is filled with with disappointments. It's vital for all of us as we face our own deaths and the deaths of those we love. In fact, I'd argue that for us to have a life of joy and meaning and purpose, we have to be captured by the story 
of resurrection. The Sadducees weren't. Uh, The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they come to Jesus with this question. And it's really a story that they probably use this on the playground with the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection. And it's basically meant to to make belief in the resurrection look silly. Uh, In the Old Testament, God made a way for the family line uh, of a husband who had died childless, for that family line to continue and to ensure that that widow would be provided for And so if the man died with no children, it was responsibility of one of his close relatives to marry the widow and for them to have a child. And that child would be considered the dead man's child. And so his line would be continued. And so the the Sadducees present this scenario where the husband dies and so a, a brother comes in and marries the widow. He dies. Another one comes in. He dies. And she doesn't have any children. But she's been married to seven different brothers. And so the Sadducees ask the question, whose husband is she going to be in the resurrection? And the point they're trying to make is, there's actually no way there can really be a resurrection because this is a silly, absurd scenario. That God would have the world like this and then there's no answer to this question. This is ridiculous. Maybe you feel a little bit like that too. Uh, maybe you think it would be nice to believe in the resurrection, but it, but it seems a little bit too fantastic. Uh, how can you and I come to the place where we believe in the resurrection? How do we come to the place where our life stories are shaped by the resurrection? I think we've got to see, see three things that the Sadducees didn't see. And those three things are this. They, they missed the message of the scriptures. They missed the power of God. And they miss the one who is resurrection. Uh, First of all, they miss the message of the scriptures. Jesus tells the Sadducees, here's what your problem is. You're in error about the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. Uh, Specifically in verse 26, he says, you don't understand what the Old Testament says about the resurrection of the dead. Now, Remember, they only believed that the first five books of the Bible were inspired by God. And so what Jesus does is he goes back to Exodus. He goes back to one of those first five books of the Bible. He goes back to the story of Moses in the burning bush where God appears to Moses and says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then Jesus says, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. What's he saying? What did they miss in that passage? Well, notice what God says in that passage. He says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am currently the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Even though they died a long time ago, I am currently still their God. God is saying he is their God. Not he was their God because they're dead and there's no relationship anymore. But he is their God, meaning they were alive and connected to him even now. Uh, See, God had entered into this intimate covenant relationship with Abraham. And when God enters into an intimate covenant relationship with you, that relationship, because of who God is, can never go into the past tense. It can never go into the past tense. It can never be, I was your God. It will always be, I am your God. 
And if God is always going to be your God, then death can't have the last word. And if death can't have the last word, that means there has to be a resurrection. God isn't the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Uh, when, when I was growing up uh, during the summers, when I was at home, uh, my dad would come home for lunch and he would watch the, the 12 o'clock news and I watched the 12 o'clock news with him. And then he would leave and my mom would roll in for her lunch break and we would watch Days of Our Lives together. Okay? Uh, my mom's in town, she wasn't able to be here this morning, but you can give her a hard time about that tonight. Uh, she got me addicted to a soap opera at an early age. But anyway, so in, in days of our lives, um, one of the things that constantly happened was there were these certain characters that they were always killing off. All right, and for those of you who have seen this, they were always killing off Stefano uh, and Roman and, and John Black and Marlena. And then before you know it, three months later, they were bringing them back. Right, they're back from the dead, and they killed them again, and then they would bring them back again. Why did they do that? Well, yet yeah, ratings, but it's because the fans had a relationship with those characters, and they liked those characters, and they missed that connection. And so, okay, we'll bring them back again so you still have a connection with these people. It's not the same show without them. Why is death so traumatic? Why is death so traumatic? Because we lose a relationship. We lose a connection. Uh, We lose someone we love. But God has a connection with his beloved that can never be broken, even by death. Even by death. We're like the the, the princes in the the movie that the prince has to kiss and bring back to life. Or, Or we're like Flynn in the movie Tangled, who's brought back to life by the golden tear of Rapunzel. God has a connection with and a love for those who are His that cannot be broken, even by death. But you say, wait, those are are just fairy tales. Those are just fairy tales. They're not real. Uh, J.R. Tolkien has an essay in which he talks about how much people love movies and books and plays that are, are basically fairy tales. And he says, we all have this desire to escape death. We all have this desire to realize our dreams. We all have this desire to never part from our loved ones. We all have this desire for good to triumph over evil. And we see these come true in fairy tales. And Tolkien felt like what these fairy tales were doing, the reason we resonate with them so much, is they point to an underlying reality that we all know that this world is a paradise that's been lost. That it's a paradise that's been lost, and there really is a way that the world ought to be. And so Tolkien called the story of Jesus a story of a larger kind which embraces all the other fairy stories. And by that, he didn't mean that the gospel is a legend, but he meant that all the other fairy tales, all these other stories point to the one true story. And that the gospel satisfies all the longings that are expressed in these stories because it's true. Because it's true. Uh, How do I know that, though? How, How do I come to grips with that and embrace that? You have to read the story. And you have to read the story. And you have to read the story. And you have to pray about the story. And you have to read the story. You guys that are old enough remember those old pictures in the mall they would have. And they were, they were like these 
they're just a bunch of dots, but if you stared at them long enough the right way, they would come into focus as these three-dimensional pictures, and suddenly they made sense. The, the gospel story, as you look at it, it, is the only story that makes sense out of all of life as we know it. It makes sense of life in a way that no other story does. And this story tells us that there is a God who's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. If your life is going to be shaped by the story of resurrection, it's got to be shaped by this story, the story of Scripture. Secondly, if our lives are going to be shaped by the story of the resurrection, we've got to understand the power of God, the power of God. Uh, the Sadducees, basically the, the idea of resurrection that was floating around for those who believed in it was kind of, everything just keeps going the way it is now. And the Sadducees thought that was silly. And Jesus says, this idea of resurrection that you're rejecting is just totally wrong and it completely misses the point. You're worried about who this woman is going to be married to, but the reality is, is that when they rise... There won't be any marriage or giving in marriage in heaven, but they will be like angels. What? Okay, uh, what does that mean then? Now, now, I think it's helpful to understand in some ways, Jesus is kind of messing with the Sadducees. He's, he's kind of, you know that scene in Elf where Elf gets on the, he, he, Will Ferrell gets on the elevator and the other guy's with him and he just like presses every button on the elevator all right, this, Jesus is like pushing all the Sadducees' buttons. All right, there is an afterlife. There is a resurrection. There are angels. Uh, if you make it there, you're going to be like one. If you're in heaven, you'll be like an angel. And you don't understand the Bible, by the way. All right, he's just, he's just pushing all of their buttons. But, but what does he mean when he says, we'll be like angels, we'll be like angels? Uh, he could be saying will be immortal there will be no more need for reproduction and so we won't you know we won't need to be married any longer because we won't need that or he may be simply saying as he's messing with the with the sadducees here your categories are too small your your categories are too small you you're trying to fully understand something that you can never fully understand it's like an infant in the womb trying to grasp the beauty of Yellowstone Park or trying to grasp what a sunset of the Grand Canyon looks like it's like your your categories are just too small you can't possibly understand how wonderful this is going to be and so Jesus is saying to them look you're 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 missing the point you're missing the point the new order of things is going to be so unbelievable, so indescribable, that there's no way you can fully grasp it in this life. First um, Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. God has prepared the greatest honeymoon ever for the bride of His Son. And the bride of the sun is the church. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. But we know because of the power of God that it's going to be better. That it's going to be better. 
So, uh, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, but it's okay. Those of you who have, who have come to some of our church events over the years uh, at our house know that we occasionally serve a dessert in our house uh, that we call chocolate eclair cake. That's not the real name. Uh, the real name in our family for this cake is, it, this cake is called Better Than Sex, okay? That's the name of this dessert. And I don't know who named this dessert, um, but... But, but that's the name of this dessert. Uh, listen, if, if th- there may not be any marriage, there may not be any sex in heaven, I don't really know, but whatever is there is better. Whatever is there is better. Uh, 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 another maybe better example. Uh, our, our family, so I had to go to the Presbyterian, but the rest of our family took my niece Chloe, who is six, to build a bear in Greenville yesterday. And she's all excited about going, but she didn't really understand where she was going. Okay, she's excited about being in the sermon now. Um, she she was excited, but she didn't really like. Okay, what am I doing here? She had to trust that mom and dad were taking her somewhere good and had the power to get her there, and it was going to be a good thing when she got there. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have to trust that your dad, who created the world, has the power to get you through death to the other side, and that it will be better. Now, you say, well, that's nice and all, but you just have to drive down I-85 to get the Build-A-Bear, and I-85 can be unpleasant, but it's not like going through death. How, how can I trust God to get me through death? And that brings us to our third point. There's, there's one more thing you need to know if you're going to live your life by the story of resurrection. In fact, I'd say there's one person you need to know. See, the, the one who will die and rise again who will be resurrected himself is standing there talking to the Pharisees see God is a God of love and he will not allow this connection with his beloved to be broken but he's also a God of justice and so to raise Abraham and Isaac and Jacob from the dead and to restore that relationship and actually bring bring them into something better God can't just shed a golden tear and make everything okay God's justice has to be satisfied. And it is satisfied by Jesus at the cross. How do we know it was satisfied? Because Jesus rose. Jesus rose. Jesus died and rose to rescue his beloved from death. Jesus died and rose so that the people of God can know the love of God Forever, Jesus died and rose so that you and I could experience the intimacy of communion with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity. To live your life by the story of resurrection, you have to know the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. Well, If I'm going to live by the story of resurrection and not the story of partying, not the story of despair, not the story of formal religion, I've got to know the scriptures. I've got to know and trust the power of God. And I've got to know Jesus who himself rose from the dead. I've got to believe in him. I've got to be connected to him by faith. And to the degree to which you and I know the scriptures, to the degree that we know the power of God, to the degree that we know Jesus, we will be able to live lives filled with hope 
and purpose and love and joy. Lives where we'll be able to, to give away our wealth and give away our time and give away ourselves even because we're not desperately trying to find life in this world. We know we have something better that Jesus has secured for us. Uh, toward the end of Hamilton, uh, there's, a, there's kind of a tragic event and, and Hamilton and his wife are trying to, to put things back together and there's this song there, it's called It's Quiet Uptown and it, it, it tries to describe the pain they're going through and there's this line in the song that says there are moments that the words don't reach. There is a grace too powerful to name. See, the resurrection story doesn't deny the reality of pain. It doesn't deny the reality of death. But the resurrection story tells us that there is a grace too powerful to name. That there is a grace that is greater than death. Uh, Revelation, I want to close with this, chapter 21 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's a story to live your life by. Are you living by that story? We pray for us. God in heaven, uh, I pray that you would help us in the, the, the hard things and the difficult things of life to believe that this resurrection story is true. That you are the God, not of the dead, but of the living. And that we can know that life. We, that we can know that communion uh, through the one who is the resurrection and the life. Uh, help us to know that. But not just to know that, but to know you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.